This is the Inquisitive Minds Podcast. Hey, thanks for tuning in to the Inquisitive Minds Podcast. Uh, today we have a very special guest. We have the gentleman from One Candle Society over here today uh, to talk about shadow people. Uh, give it up for Vic uh, Waitley and Marcus Hello. 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 Welcome Hello. to the podcast, guys. That's Thank so you, really, man. Yeah, we were, we were super excited that you wanted to have us on, man. I, like, I, I've been impressed with your stuff since the start. I'm like, I want to go on this guy's podcast because you, you can tell your stuff. Because from day one, you were doing some impressive stuff covering Roswell. You know, because again, we're both so we're both comedians, and I was like, so your, your thing popped up on my feed. You were starting this podcast, and that you know your very first topic was Roswell. I'm like, that's impressive. And I'm like, I'm watching it, and this the content that you're that you're talking about, and all the stuff, and you know your stuff. So I was super impressed. Yeah, we've been trying for five years, and we haven't even got around the Bigfoot. Right on. That's I got us. I had a Bigfoot expert on, and I actually have two more uh, upcoming ex, uh, experts coming on for Bigfoot. They seem exactly. to be. Uh, drawn to me the cryptid community so uh, before we start off uh talking about shadow people you guys want to tell us a little more about your uh youtube channel and then you've recently branched out to a new podcast absolutely yes so uh it was about five years ago we started uh, uh we've been a paranormal investigative group for a while um prior to that and you know one day i came to Vic and i said you know i said we could actually like do a youtube channel so we started a YouTube channel where we cover topics over ghosts, strange entities, bizarre phenomenon, cryptids, UFOs, conspiracy theories, you know, every, all the fun stuff in the paranormal. And we've been doing that for about five years. Uh, you know, we love it because, you know, we do we talk about a little bit of everything on, on, our, on our channel. And then it was, I think it was last, either October, November, we decided, because people forever have been saying our stuff sounds like a podcast, we should start a podcast. Uh, and then we finally decided to launch our podcast, uh, Talking with Shadows, you know. And, uh, and you said it's uh, called Talking with Shadows? Yes. Yeah, yeah. You know, we call it like the conversations everyone has, but nobody wants to admit to. You know, because when we first, you know, when we first got into this, you know, we were worried that about like the repercussions, like for our like, careers and that people thought we were going to be crazy. But the more that we were talking to people, the more they found out about our stuff, we found out that almost everybody has some sort of paranormal experience, some sort of encounter, something they can't explain, but they just don't tell everybody else because they're afraid everybody's going to think they're crazy. That's been my experience, too. Since I've started this, I've had so many people talk to me in private and tell me a ghost story or a story about seeing something crazy. And then they always swallow it with, uh, you're the only person I've ever told that to. <laughs> I didn't know we work in mental health. Yeah, yeah. We do. Okay. We get a lot of those stories like for, like, for through work, too. So. All right. So we're talking about shadow people today. Uh, do you guys just want to dive right into that with a start of just uh, what are shadow people? A shadow person is an entity that appears like a shadow. They can be moving in a two-dimensional manner or a three-dimensional manner. And sometimes they'll uh, possess extra secondary traits along the lines of hats, veils, or various colored glowing eyes. That's the that's quick of it, at least. You know, and not only can they just be shadow people, you can also just see shadow blobs 
or even shadow animals, which is actually a pretty common phenomenon as well. I haven't heard of the shadow animals before. That's fascinating. Oh, absolutely. I actually, I've had, I had a pretty intense uh, shadow animal encounter. Oh man, it was probably was probably about a about a year ago. Uh, it was pretty intense. Like so, we were we for for a while. I've been doing a lot of research on skinwalkers. Okay. Which are like you know like uh, now uh, Native American like sh like shape changers like like werewolves and and things like that. You can think that way. Uh, Wendigo uh, type stuff. Uh huh. And so we got. Uh, I was reading this book outside with my dog about uh, about about skinwalkers, and as I'm as I'm reading it, one of the things I'm learning about the lore of skinwalkers is that when you uh, talk about them or when you bring up a conversation, they know you're talking about them. Oh. And as I'm legit reading that part of the book uh, with my dog next to me, my dog like stands up like an attention. And in my backyard, a light uh, kind of like shines down, creates like this like circle of light in my backyard and probably about, I'm about three feet away from it. And as I look over, I see this dog, raccoon, shadow animal, like fully 3D, step into the light, not connected to any other part of the light. So it's not like branching off from the shadows or anything. It's just standing in the middle of the circle hmm. of light and locks eyes with my beagle that barks at everything. And they stare at each other for good 10 minutes. Oh. And I'm just sitting there, just an awkward, just silence, like freaked out of this. And then finally just walks away. And then my dog looks at me and they freak out. And then we just like jump back in the house. I turn out the light and yeah, I okay, call him big at, at that panic. point, he calls me and he is, he's telling me he's locked himself in his basement, that something weird happened. He's panicked. He tells me that he sees this squirrel dog, something. He never mentions that it's a shadow version of it because he's talking a mile a minute at that point. Yes, I And I'm just like, I look at Ellie and um, she does, she's one of the researchers for a channel. I just go, I, I don't know what's going on with Mark because he apparently saw a squirrel and has locked himself in his basement. Yeah. <laughs> the shadow is a big uh, key to, to add into that story. <laughs> you know, uh, a lot of times uh, on a show like this, I just try and ask questions and stay out of the way, but this is actually a topic that's very close to me. Um, I've had multiple experiences with shadow people. My first ever uh, paranormal experience was with a shadow person. Uh, I was maybe five or six years old, and me and my parents were outside, and it was uh, it was dusk, you know. And there was a big community mailbox that you know we lived in apartments that everyone would get their mailbox. As we were standing in front of our building. I just happened to be staring at the mailbox and I saw this shadow in the shape of a child just walk in front of the mailbox, stand there and casually walk away. Now, I know that sounds crazy, but there wasn't a boy there. There wasn't anything there. And when I told my parents, obviously, you don't believe a six year old, but that stuck with me for many, many years. That reminds me a lot of, like, I had a very similar sort of encounter from my first paranormal experience where I'm, I'm in kindergarten, so I'm right around that same age, and I see a static person, and I try to describe what the heck I had seen to my parents, and I just did not have the vocabulary to properly describe it. They just thought I, I, I Absolutely. I'm not even sure what a static person is. That's something I'm unfamiliar with. Oh yeah, it's 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 a lot like think kind of like a shadow person, but made of like TV static. They behave oh. differently, but but like just general just description. 
think that. Where shadow people are fairly common, and if you talk to people, I find that shadow people are one of the most common paranormal experiences. Um, I've only found a few people that have seen static people, and I've been digging into it for a while. Oddly enough, uh, we're in an interview with uh, Knock Once for Yes, and, and uh, yeah, they, they, they're like, oh, what, really? You've had one of those too? <laughs> but, yeah, um, that's that's a rarity. Um, now, a lot of people have asked me and reached out to me. They said, uh, are shadow people malicious? Yep. Uh, always <laughs> malicious as well, like never – never come as a, a light omen or anything like that? I, I am going to argue with him on this. I think it comes in two forms. I think there is innocuous, and I think there's malicious. I don't believe that there is benevolent. Uh, at least I have never encountered a situation where I thought their motive was, motive was benevolent at all. But I think there's ones that you would run into, and they're just doing their thing, and they're not there out like to specifically hurt you. But there are many of them that do act in a benevolent way. Um, like their modus operandi for specifically like red eye shadow people is mm -hmm. they'll often appear in one's bedroom while you're resting. You wake up and you sense something's wrong. You look around, you are able to pick out the silhouette in the corner of the room where you might notice the two red glowing eyes and find that your body is locked in position. Uh, sleep paralysis, if you're familiar with it. Yes. And often they'll just be there menacing you. Um, we've always worked off the theory that they seem to be intentionally uh, trying to evoke negative emotions. We've always seen the assumption that this might be a form of feeding, but okay. I think those, yes, those are malicious entities when they engage in that sort of act. Because if a person had menaced you like that, like what 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 would you consider their behavior to be? <laughs> yeah, obviously, my uh, my most intense uh, paranormal experiences have also been with shadow people it's funny that you mentioned that because i had a bedroom um i don't know eight years ago nine years ago maybe that i was staying in where i was coming into contact regularly with a shadow person with glowing red eyes and he didn't physically uh do anything to me but it was always a terrifying and an evil experience you know he was large um i want to say six and a half to seven feet you know, I drew a picture of him one day, and it started with mild sleep paralysis. Uh, and this is this is something I've never talked about publicly, but it it moved on to eventually. Uh, there was an incident where I was kind of like battling to to get this to go away, and I astro projected at one point. That's, that's fascinating there. Fascinating. You wouldn't and have still had the drawing, would you? No, no, I don't. It is, uh, I, I don't, it's, you know, it was a decade ago almost. Yeah, I figured it was a long shot, but I'd love to see it. <laughs> I could, I could still draw it up because I remember it, uh, distinctly. You know, that was a image that, that doesn't leave you easily. And on top of that, it's not something that you can just talk about willy nilly because people don't believe you. You know, and I understand that, but once you've seen something or experienced it, you're not going to tell me that I was wrong. So it's just easier not to talk about it. Um, and then I came into contact with uh, shadow people almost that looked like uh, the ghosts or the black entities off the movie Ghost. Mm -hmm. They were kind of uh, taunting me uh, at, at points. And I remember I, I broke down, you know, just from sheer terror. So this is a topic that's very close to me. I'm sorry? Can they ask some questions that might bend a little bit on the personal? Go ahead. 
Um, when you were experiencing these uh, persistent shadow person encounters, were you in a either a very negative state of your personal life or were you in a uh, area where there would be a lot of negative emotions being experienced? Both. Yeah. Okay, because uh, we've been working on a theory for a long time. We used to work with a um, man named Adam Mathers, and he had started this project here in our home city of Evansville of basically putting up a big map and starting to put pins in different areas where shadow people were being sighted and then overlaid it with um, commonalities of domestic abuse. And his working theory was that if they're drawn to places with negative emotion, you're going to see the pins popping up in those areas. And sure enough, it matched up quite quite well. So I'm, that's one of the questions I always ask to see if- oh, That made a lot of sense because, you know, I was, I was going through a negative time uh, in my life, in my personal life. I was in a, even a neighborhood that was negative, but uh, it felt like it, it fueled me to become more angry. Like there would be times where I would be enraged while being scared out of my life because I'm in a room with a shadow person. And it, 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 was, it was difficult for me to understand. I almost felt like it was trying to possess me, but it wasn't strong enough. Mm -hmm. uh, it's, I found too, when uh, one of the, 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 the jobs that I did prior to working in mental health now was I used to, I used to work like in homes, like an in-home social worker. And uh, we're here in Indiana, and uh, you know Indiana has like one of the largest, uh, we're literally the largest producers of methamphetamine like in the world. Oh, I didn't like, know that either. Yeah, we, we don't like to brag about it. Hey, you gotta <laughs> stay we're winning on something. Right um, you know, especially in southern Indiana, actually, like numerous times, like we're like ranked number one, and uh, we we found out that uh, one of the things I had to get trained in doing was discovering like evidence of like like signs of a meth lab like in the home okay and so like we would get edu we got educated on uh on like what a, like what a meth lab looks like and things like that and they were also talking to us about meth cult like culture that like methamphetamine users too yeah use and one of the things that apparently like that meth addicts talk to each other about are seeing shadow people like, <laughs> Like a veteran meth addict will tell a newbie in them that's coming in to do a sermon, like, you're going to see the shadow people. Like, it's going to be a thing. They're going to come and you're, you're going to see them. You need to expect this. You need to prepare for this. Numerous times when I've got to meet families uh, when methamphetamine was involved, they would be like either like terrified of the, sh like, of the shadow people. They would be tearing their house apart, their cars apart because of, the, because of these things. Like, and it always struck. It was always weird to me that I'm like, you know, like if if you're a person like and a veteran tweaker telling you that you're gonna see shadow people with red glowing eyes and hats doesn't deter you from meth. Like, yeah. The program's got no chance. Like, <laughs> so, like it can't do it. It's got no chance. So one I, go ahead. That is, uh, is this a hallucination commonly associated with meth or could these enemies be drawn to people in this high emotion and at that point um, partially incapacitated situation? Yeah, that's something I never heard of before. I would lean uh, towards the towards the latter myself. Um, and you're absolutely correct. You know, meth is bad enough, but then you're adding shadow people. I might have to reconsider. Oh, yeah. I've oh, never yeah, heard right. of somebody seeing shadow people from smoking crack, so that's an option. 
Like, pretty, you know, like you may end up, you know, seeing, you know, dragons or jesters, you know, doing DMT, but you do that, they're going to start seeing shadow people. So, you know, it's a interesting story. And this kind of puts myself out there. Uh, I tried LSD recently for the first time. Um, I did it as a thought experiment, not because I necessarily wanted to just party. And it was a mental trip, but I did not hallucinate. I did not see anything out of the ordinary. And honestly, I was highly disappointed. I did it in preparation to to hopefully see something that I could try and connect with this episode. Nothing, nothing at all. So Maybe try ayahuasca. Well, you said meth works, so that's a lot easier to get than ayahuasca. <laughs> yeah, but we would not encourage people to try to bring shadow people into their no. lives. Gen generally, uh, people that have had encounters with shadow people. Um, on the long term, like for long prolonged periods of time, it has been staggeringly negative. Oh, I agree. It's 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 a term I say in jest, but it was a miserable encounter and it went on for quite a bit of time, a significant amount of time, and it left me scarred. However, um, since no one would believe me, it made me uh face it and deal with it on my own. So now like I'm more welcome to that type of thing. I don't fear it as much. Where do these things manifest themselves from? From, I think it's arguable. Like me and Ellie were having discussion before this and she had asked me, well, where do you think they come from? And I'm like, to tell you the truth, my best guess would be potentially an alternate dimension, mainly because okay. of the crackling sound that is heard. Because when, when you hear physicists talk about there being extra dimensions, they'll often talk about the amount of energy that would be required to ever breach it. And a lot of people will, will report this odd, like, crackling sound, like the air is supercharged while while one is manifesting. Yeah, ghost hunters report the same thing mm -hmm. when, like, in places like where ghosts manifest. It's like crackling sound. You know, interdimensional uh, beings... Um, I don't know if you you said you haven't touched the Bigfoot yet, but that's one of the theories on Bigfoot as well, mm -hmm. that he could be an interdimensional being, which is almost one that I subscribe to. Uh, it just seems more believable than we haven't found this large animal. Yeah, when it comes to the Bigfoot stuff, when you look at like the bulk of the lore, you start finding it doing some things that don't make sense on a biological level. But going back to your other question, although I'm not sure where they come from, I do have a good idea where they go. They seem to locate around areas that have a saturation of negative emotion. Like uh, I used to live in a really bad apartment complex and I'm very prone to going for night walks and it wouldn't be uncommon for me to see one. I like, I wouldn't see one every night, but if I did spot one, it wasn't real uncommon. When I moved to the neighborhood I currently live in, it's a lot safer of a neighborhood. There is a lot more balance. I haven't seen one in quite a long time. Now, when you say you used to see them fairly uh, frequently, did you build up a tolerance or were you just not scared from the beginning? Because honestly, just casually seeing them is a terrifying thought. Well, the thing is like, I was first exposed to the paranormal very early and I started going out being a paranormal researcher around the time I was 14. And I lived in a isolated, tiny community so I was going out on my own from a very early age, checking out graveyards and stuff. So I kind of built up a resistance very early on. Um, for the most part, I've never 
had a really bad shadow person attack. So I don't have that experience as of yet, but usually it would be things along the lines of, I would see something move out from behind a tree and move back, and I would take note of that. I'd go over, examine the area, nothing's there. I did see a clear defined silhouette. And usually the encounters were very short, things along those lines. Um, for me, no, I didn't really ever find them to be terrifying because the ones I ran into never did anything to terrify me. It would just be something that was very peculiar. I I got into the paranormal, I would say, uh, much later. I got into it, I would say, like in my like mid-20s. Okay. Um, mostly to understand what Vic was talking about when he would go on these rants about a lot of these things. Um, but uh, so then I... It, it's weird. When you're in the paranormal, one, once you're in the know and you start learning about paranormal stuff, you are now more inclined to start having paranormal experiences, which is what happened to me. Oh. Uh, so I, yeah, so I very quickly started trying to come up with, well, like, how, how do you handle these sorts of things? And one of the th one of the things that I, that I discovered was when you look, like, cross-culturally to, like, different cultures and stuff, every culture has different methods for dealing with these things. They all say they work. The only thing they have in common is they believe that they work. They have a confidence, similar to when you talk about a rage, um, uh, you know, rage and anger be generally being secondary emotions. There's usually some confidence that there's some energy that's behind this. So when you feel like you are in a, a safer place and you're going to be okay and it's genuine, it seems like those experiences start shifting uh, from like the, you know, real malevolent to, to bad to like kind of benign. To, okay. To One of the most uh, common questions I've gotten, and it's just more on the where do they come from, it, it's people wanted to know, did it have a religious connection at all? You know, because we think of evil. Uh, normally, as a Christian, you think of devil, Satan, demons, right. all that. Is there anything going on with them like that? Well, there's Jin. Uh, there's some of just described that way. Yeah. So, so what happens a lot for people in the paranormal is, you know, as we grow up, we sort of get this vocabulary like this like paranormal vocabulary that we're accustomed to dealing with and i think when people try to explain the paranormal the only thing they have is the, the vocabulary from the background from where they come from that makes and a I lot of sense that's why, that's why you get people you know from the middle east calling them jinn christians calling them demons people from a more animistic background calling them spirits you, you get, okay you get that you get you get that, that's you get that sort of thing so almost our lack of knowledge names them. But if you want some specific references, um, in American Indian mythology, for many of them, uh, it would be just the description of a sickness spirit where um, these shadows enter the body to cause a sickness. And then there's like a, many stories where then a spirit brings a special fire and the fire casts out the spirits from the body and then the person gets better. There's references to very similar uh, spirits in Taoist mythology, which is a form of uh, animism. And they were just like a form of dark spirit to kind of distract you from your path. And there are like the jinn are described that way. And there's also uh, sometimes the others from Arab mythology will oh. be uh, described as a form of walking shadow as well. And you said that was called the others? Yeah, it's uh, kind of- And that's from Arab mythology? Show. Yeah. I'm going to write that down because uh, I haven't heard that one before, and I'd like I to look heard, into that. I first heard about it. I had a Moroccan exchange student living with me, and uh, he had um, explained that 
that whole uh, tradition to me. Yeah, and I, I heard you use the phrase lack of knowledge, and I and I think you're correct, but probably not in the context for 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 what you're thinking, because people are, are explaining the paranormal from their general background to understand it. The the thing about it though is is that everybody in different cultures is all having these same experiences, but nobody's talking to each other. John Keel talked about this. Um, I think it was uh, time, time, space, and other unexplained phenomenon. Uh, when he was talking, when he was talking about like home invaders, like people that come into your into your house. He's like, literally everybody in the different camps is having experiences with people coming into their room and and doing all these zooms, but nobody's talking to each other and nobody understands that we're all having these same things, but we're all calling them different things. So I love Keel. Yeah, I personally think uh, paranormal experiences and mental health go hand in hand. And I think that's a lot of the reason why people don't discuss it openly uh, is because of the stigma. And then, you know, it's easy to dismiss someone if you don't believe what they're saying. So that's so true. Like we had, we were, we were at work one day and I I remember a patient. Oh, I love this story. That that (laughs) comes in and, and he's going around and he is losing his mind. And he's like, he's like, you guys don't understand. There's political elite that are meeting out of the woods in California, before I charge forty for dollars, they're doing all these ceremonies, and everybody thinks that this is like an original delusion this guy has. And me and Vic are having to explain to him that he's talking about Bohemian Grove. <laughs> like, uh. like, like this is this is not an original thing. This is. I think we split up, and you explained to the staff that he wasn't necessarily making it up. And I went up to him, and I'm like, "Hey, man, I know." What you're talking about i know it's real the thing is i just can't have you running around screaming about it i'll have a conversation <laughs> with you about it but yeah. we have to bring it way down you're scared of the noise <laughs> i'm sure that actually brings a lot to the table working with uh mental health individuals that mm-hmm. uh you can actually sit down and discuss their legitimate thoughts that a doctor or say a, a normal nurse wouldn't want to that's that's very interesting. Now, Bohemian Grove, that was the uh, thing Alex Jones talks about quite a bit. Oh yeah, oh yeah. That's probably where he probably that's that, that's his big claim to fame that he that he that he come upon and then kind of went down the aisle after that. Go to infowars.com, get your inquisitive minds t-shirt. Yeah. All right. Well, that, that's that's fascinating. Now, there's a lot of people that have these experiences, but there's also a lot of people that make up these experiences. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Have you have you dealt with that as well? Oh yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. How, how do you vet out these stories? Well, we will often do this kind of before we take on any sort of case, we'll do an interview where we'll meet with the person on kind of a neutral ground area. We used to use Barnes and Noble a lot, where we'll go and we'll have a sit down interview with them. We'll record everything. We'll ask a lot of questions. And we'll go back in before we tell them if we take the case or not, we'll go through and analyze the tape recordings and listen to was their story consistent? Does their story make sense? And also, are there signs of mental illness? Like uh, we once had someone try to uh, basically get us for a case. But what the guy was describing was I'm abusing my girlfriend and I'm using the paranormal as an excuse. And like we were like, what you need to do is contact these people. And if you, if you, if you contact these people, go through the treatment and you're still having issues with an entity, call us back. But we're, we're not going to take this case until these issues are resolved. 
Look, buddy, this ghost will not stop me from beating my wife. I don't know you what's going on that. here. That was, that was the key. So it was. That's that's awful, right there. Yeah. Terrible. Yeah. We we gave them as much information as we could on hotlines and stuff, and we slipped her a little extra information on like emergency contacts for like if you're mid assault and things like that. But um, they never did get back in touch with me. I hope I I really hope it worked out. But we we weren't going to take a case that was basically just domestic abuse because that that's not what we do. Um, yeah. Another, another way too to kind of lead up to the. Um, generally, people that have like legit experiences tend to be consistent with their stories. People that tend to be mentally ill, sometimes the the stories will change dramatically over time, or things like that, or things will just become like those. Like people that have genuine stories, generally it, it tends to be kind of consistent, kind of thing like Bob Lazar, kind of something like in his story, like it's just consistent over like four years. Yeah, like consistency is the key when it comes to these experiences because when you genuinely experience them it sticks with you it's not something you forget the details of it's almost like time stops and you're aware of everything um i'd like to take a minute before we move on to uh, talk about our sponsor for the moment tenacious detail it is a uh, automo detailing company that will come to you get your car detailed in the comfort of your own home or office and they are available in the pittsburgh region but they will travel as far as three hours away. Uh, and from what I understand right now, they're offering 10% off on all their interior services until the end of the month. Uh, please reach out to them. That's Tenacious Detail at 724-498-9942. So how long have you guys uh, known about um, shadow people personally? Like outside of, I, I knew you said you, you saw it when you were younger. Um, how long before you had a grasp on it and a, and a good research? Because um, I like to think of Slenderman as far as like creepypastas go. And I feel like he brought more uh, to light of shadow people. Let's see, I think I had my first um, actual shadow person encounter sometime around early college, late high school. And I then started diving heavy into the research on it. And uh, I found a few videos and I found the interview um, Art Bell had with, um, oh God, what was his name? Uh, Talks with Thunder, I believe was his name. Uh, and I think that that was my first exposure to it. And I just kind of dove headlong into the, the research with it. I'd say probably Early 20s, shortly after I met Vic, I probably became more um, aware of it as a, as a phenomenon. And then I probably started researching it. I was, again, about five, six-ish years ago, because that was our very first video. Like, our okay. very first video coming, like, as our, our YouTube channel was Shadow People. And well, that's we, great. Yeah, we, we, uh, we dived super deep. Uh, into it and it is bad it is we a terrible a video <laughs> don't watch that video for entertain like the, like information wise it's fantastic uh but like it yeah it's just done bad. i don't know i think we were so bad back then it's actually legitimately like, entertaining i'm trying like i'm trying to be like the smoking guy from the x-files like <laughs> like and 
Vic's leaning a little too much into his country well, words. Like it, it is like his cowboy talk. We we were trying to utilize reading voices when we were when we started back in the day. So I leaned a lot on like that sort of accent my dad has yeah. <laughs> instead of using my natural yeah. voice. And, Couple of videos later, we stopped doing. That. Oh yeah, it was a bad idea. <laughs> yeah. Well, that that's a positive. Now, I've had people reach out and they've had a, a question about how to get rid of them. Now, obviously, you said they come from uh, and feed almost on negative emotions or negative situations. Outside of uh, removing yourself or clearing those situations up, how can someone uh, get rid of them or no longer see them or just you know what I mean out of that situation? No. Don't use sage. Really? It will it will make them leave, and you're probably going to have three fine weeks to maybe a month and a half, and then they're going to come back, and they're going to yeah. be super, super, super pissed, and the situation is going to be worse than it initially was. In almost all my experience where someone has a significant shadow person problem, and they use sage, how it almost always goes. Um, I just don't think it, it is something that is a long-term fix. And it's something that it, it almost is like they become um, immune to it over time. So if you keep smudging, keep smudging, keep smudging, that time period between where they're gone just seems to drop and drop and drop. And it seems like by the time you run out of it, uh, you're, you're in a real situation. Um, I they come back more intense. Stop doing drugs. I'm, uh, <laughs> sorry, that, that's short. Uh, for me, I always advise people to, you know, it's a, it's a long-term thing, you know, it's a, it's a long-term thing. And when you, when you are people that are genuinely making choices in their lives that are genuinely for the better, um, and they're generally taking care of themselves and their immediate surroundings, and they're trying to make honesty better, um, in the long run, I think people see a lot more success with getting rid of shadow people. Like we're talking about a real quick fix. I've seen a lot of people do things cling clinging to something that, that that brings you comfort. You know, I've seen everything from like religious symbols uh, to music. Like you know, all the way to like just something bare bones, like playing a song that they uh, that they that they enjoy that that makes them feel better. I've seen I've seen do it too. Yeah, the the only real long term fix is really rooted in self care, trying to work on those negative emotions. But if you need something that is going to get them away from you long enough for you to work on. I have had some success with um, a combination of Solomon Steel Root, Sandalwood, um, a bit of Sage Polish Santo Wood, and um, goodness, what, sorry, it's been a while since I've had to make this. Uh, actually, that might have been about it. Like, and I genuinely believe you have to feel these things actually work. Like, we had a case yeah. one time where we went to talk to this kind of like, older lady and she had like this i mean she was essentially describing some sort of like malevolent like shadow person identity and she had like this like little shrine thing going where she had like a buddha a cross some quartz and every other like generic you know positive spiritual thing but she didn't believe in any of them she just thought they were just, they were just you know they're all generally good so she just threw like everything at the wall to see what would stick and obviously it wasn't working because i don't feel she had a whole lot of confidence in it no know? power behind it yeah. yeah, we eventually sat down with her and it's like, what do you really, really believe in? And she ended up saying, like, uh, Archangel Michael. So okay. we're, like, we're going to tailor this to you as much as we can. We drug into uh, a Gribba's Three Books of Occult Philosophy, which is a medieval uh, grimoire. Um, and we found all these symbols for Michael, and we kind of explained to her, hey, 
this is what it is and you feel like this is something that would make you feel safe and our goal at that point was to remove her anxiety to try to remove what this thing's seeking her out for now i haven't had a physical experience where it has hurt me and um i haven't heard of one necessarily but can they get physically violent oh yeah actually one of our uh one of our in our very first video we talk we talk about this guy that reaches out to us talking about his trip to waverly which people report seeing shadow people there all the time and he that's like, the uh, right? abandoned asylum yeah yeah in louisville okay uh, and uh he had uh scratch marks like all over it was his back his arms i think if i remember correctly things like that they tend to get more violent when they tend to have more uh pronounced features like clothing glowing eyes hats that's when they usually ones that actually like cause physical harm have those characteristics but i think now, they're limited in their capacity to cause physical yeah, harm yeah. to you like i've never seen anything worse than very uh superficial scratches um i can't can you think of any case that has anything worse than that maybe a slight shove yeah yeah um, maybe but i but i can't even remember the case on the top of my head i just yeah, but it's, it's scratches is, is predominant is predominant. The mental scars are probably worse then. Oh yeah, they're, they're real. They're they're heavy hitters when it comes to emotional damage, not physical. Yeah. Now you mentioned a guy with a hat. Uh, a reoccurring story I've had from many people, and I've read quite a few instances, was about seeing a a hat man, which I don't know if it's the same entity, but it seems like it's an it's an ongoing uh, source is a man with a you know like a long brimmed hat almost like an old detective or something have you guys had any uh contact with a, a hat man as i've been referred to it before i i've seen ones that had hats before but i don't think i've seen a hat man and i, I know that sounds weird because there's usually certain um traits that are more often associated with it um but i don't think i've ran into either a hat man or the hat man however one chooses to put it uh, I've had encounters with people too with hoods, too, uh, as well as a thing too. Um, I've heard people talk a lot about Hatman being like the main shadow person. He like he's like the head guy. I've heard everything from they're just that's just a very pronounced shadow person. Like I, I, uh, I've, heard, I've heard those kinds of theories. I mean, the I house though Hatman Hatman encounters tend to be on the more extreme ends. For encounters general i have uh the house i grew up in was full of the paranormal i grew up in a family that was they weren't investigators but they were kind of like understanding like yeah it happens go surreal type thing and uh in my dining room in the house growing up there was a hat man but he was more of a residual haunting like i would just see him and he had a direct path he would go to and that's it. There was never like any interaction with me or anything. But my late wife, uh, one day, this conversation came up and she broke down crying because apparently she would have nightmares uh, with this same vision that I described and would leave her paralyzed in her sleep. Now, you guys are also, um, you said paranormal investigators. Can you tell me... Uh, I don't know an interesting story about that. What what was your most uh, your most active investigation? So sorry, man, we we lost you during part yeah. of that. What, can you repeat that? Yeah. What part did you catch? I'll just say it again. Um, growing up in my house uh, in the dining room 
there was a hat man, uh, but it was a residual haunting. He would never interact with me, but I would just see him take a specific path and then essentially walk into the wall. Uh, now, I was having this conversation with my late wife, and she eventually broke down and cried about it because she was having nightmares about the man I had described, and she would get sleep paralysis from it. I still got you there, guys. Yeah, you still got it. Sorry. The, the what was the question about our investigation? Oh, um, can you describe a more active investigation that you've been through? Because I'm sure there's quite a few investigations where it's almost run of the mill. I know a good one. It even goes into our topic of shadow people. Um, we were working with a family that was basically under assault by shadow people. And they were seeing them a lot, really commonly in the yard. But then there was one that was very aggressive and commonly in the house. They had just recently had a baby. And they were very worried about it because of that, because it would often um, seem to focus around the baby. Like they would usually see it kind of hovering over the baby, staring at the baby, things like that. So they brought us in to assist with this situation. And this was a, a large family all living in one house. And as we're going through the interviews, um, we kind of realized one of the sisters was clearly kind of dancing around the subject and holding something back. And we pressed her later um, outside of the house by herself. And she's like, no, I, I know what this entity is. I, the rest of the family uh, isn't involved with it. But I know this entity. We were lovers in a past life. Um, he had me carve his name out here. And uh, it, it was basically a to-do list of what not to do in the paranormal of all the things that she's doing. She had like a little altar set up for him uh, out in the woods. And I'm like, man, no wonder this is like worse. a really aggressive shadow person. He's getting all the attention and all this stuff. And she's like, it would con he comes to me in my dreams. And whew, that, that that's, that's was, wild. Yeah, that, that, that was very, a very difficult case. Now, was she receptive to like taking the altar down and, and stop feeding into it? Was she looking mm -hmm. for a solution? Her, no, because she believed that this was a past lover who had come back to her. And we would always try to um, rationalize with her. I'm like, okay, if this is a past lover that's come back to you, why do you feel like your lover is fixated on the, on the child in the house? And things like that, trying to kind of lead her to that conclusion of this is probably something attempting to deceive you, not something that is... Like, we're basically trying to get to the point of understanding these things aren't above lying to you to get what they want. And it was it was a struggle. We met with her personally, I think, three or four times trying to get her to that area. Eventually, she stopped communicating with us, um, and she ended up leaving the house on her own uh, because oh. she felt that the rest of the family felt, felt we needed to go ahead with either some form of cleansing or give them some advice to get rid of it. She's like, I'm not having any of this. And she ends up moving out of the house before. Like this was probably a, an eight eight month case that we were on. And it was it was a it was a long I can tell you a lot of stories about that case actually, because like I said, it was very drawn out. And when you guys go on a case, um, is there an end goal in mind or are you just investigating just to to find out what it is? Well, there's the end goal of getting the family to a, an area where they can go on with their normal life. 
Um, we've had people asking us to stop early because they decided this is the time they are choosing to live with. I never really personally think that that's a good idea, but I, I accept, you know, what they say. But uh, ultimately, it's to restore enough normalcy that they are comfortable again. You mentioned a cleanse. Uh, that's something you guys do? Is there a certain um, process you could give advice much, to the listeners? Not as much anymore. Like this was something that we mainly were doing several years ago. Our team was a little different back then. Um, it's it's something that like I know I had done before. Adam has done before. Um, most often we try to often like the self care route is the better long term route. It seems like once you build yourself up, build up that confidence and stuff. A lot of these things that are trying to menace you seem to lose a lot of their interest. Um, so we prefer to go that route, but when we cleanse, it's more to try to buy the family some time, get a few good nights of sleep so they can then focus on the self-care. Um, now, go ahead. And uh, as far as advice, don't just use sage. A lot of people go to that as a mainstay. But I've heard so many stories about um, someone saging an area and then the entity just coming back sometime later and just being extra, extra pissed off. Now, you mentioned that uh, with that last case, the lady, you told her they're not above lying to you to get what they want. Um, are there a lot of instances where it's not necessarily a shadow person, but a different entity just appearing as that? Or it might be something else other than a shadow person? Yes. It just may be uh, displaying itself as a shadow person. Oh, oh yeah. In that case, she thought it was a, a, a vampire that yeah. could only manifest as a shadow person at this point. Like it, it, like I said, that, that, that case was a ride. It was a long ride. But she felt This is getting more interesting as, as it goes on. Yeah. 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 And then, there, and, I mean, we've had a couple cases in which it initially sounded like a shadow person at first. But then the, the the like the the couple started talking about it like possessing one of the people, believing that it like resided inside of the person, and they genuinely thought it was a demon. Which uh, that is not what we deal with. If we if someone genuinely believes that they have a demon possession going on, we're like, you need to contact Catholic Church. Have a good one. Yeah, we here's, so here's resources. Go ahead. So you guys don't deal with demons at all. No, if no. you look at like the history of exorcism, if we think it's legitimately a demon. Successful exorcisms are extremely difficult and require very specific training. Uh, and truthfully, it's a very, very intense process when it comes to, like, if it is a legit demon. More often, we'll encounter people who think it's a demon and it's actually more often a shadow person. But if it's if we think it's a real demon, we don't we don't get involved with it because it's not it's not with we're not properly trained for that situation. And, and in those types of situations, you're generally going to see a much more extreme effect that it has on the person like you'll see like extreme like weight loss and literally destroying the person's life knowledge of the unknown things like that you'll see you'll see far more extreme traits than that and that's why we generally i don't would you say we've ever actually generally i don't think i've ever actually believed that i've encountered something i, I personally do not believe i have ever encountered a demon nor do I believe I've been called on a, on a case that where I thought it legitimately was a demon. Now, I'm sorry to jump around here a bit, but I can't gloss over. Uh, you said she thought it was a vampire? 
Yeah, she thought it was a vampire that had loved her in a past life that whose spirit has now returned to her to rekindle love in her new life. Wow. They said um, right. <laughs> yeah. I guess the easiest question would be what what, what are your guys' stance on vampires then? Oh, <laughs> oh, vampire. Oh, vampire. Okay. I, I personally do not put it outside a possible realm, uh, especially if we're talking about, if we're going back to early folklore where we're extending the word vampire to things like Strigoi, Revenants, things like that. I think something along those lines did, uh, did occur at a certain time in our past and perhaps could still occur. But I also think that the stories that we have are very wired down. I don't think yeah. it's going to be like Twilight situation. Yeah, I, I think the energy vampires, and I'm using air quotes here, uh, like where people like absorb auras from people or their energy is a totally different thing. Because I'm telling you, there are people that just drain you. And I don't know. I don't really think that's a supernatural thing. I just think that's a, just a trait. That just People can just turn up to 11 and they can just your energy because that's just a thing like so okay that's fair enough that's not something i've ever really thought about with vampires i i wouldn't say it's impossible because all the stuff i talk about it's just not something i've heard anyone ever say they've had a, a an encounter with we had a uh, in indiana there was a there's a story involving uh like a hotel where a vampire stayed we actually have one of those yeah, here like, yeah here actually in indiana Hmm. We actually had one of those like, way back. Mm. Now, uh, these... They had a vampire room. It's pretty cool. Yeah. Oh, they had a vampire room you could stay in? Well, no, you couldn't stand there. But the as, as the legend goes, the this mysterious individual, and I'm sorry, I don't know the dates because I didn't prep for this story. <laughs> but this mysterious individual had a robe there, rented, uh, rented a place for a prolonged stay, uh, and insisted that the uh, the, they had to build a room for him in the basement, there could not be any natural sunlight. The per individual was never spotted during the day, had an extremely pale complexion, and at least supposedly had requested uh, requested blood or had been witnessed witness drinking blood. Kind of depends on the source that you're looking at for the story. And uh, I had a, a, this was a long time ago, I had a girlfriend that uh, used to work at the hotel and she snuck me down into the basement. And sure, sure enough, there's still like this partial room set up in the basement. So it, it, it at least seemed to me that there may have been some truth to the story. With with those types of stories, sometimes it seems like uh, they were just people who were a little bit deranged, I, a little bit off, a off kilter. Possibility here, yeah. You know, I mean, um, we deal with a lot of people that are just legit paranoid, and they just want to have like their room set up in a specific way yeah. that, that they feel that they need. I mean. We're going to be accommodating, you know, you know so oh, I, I, I think those, those kind of people. I think it was uh, Richard Ramirez, the Night Stalker, who uh, drank blood and whatnot from animals. He would kill rabbits and drink their blood. Like, he was convinced that the, I believe, and I may be misquoted, but he was convinced, like, the government was stealing his blood, so he was killing all these animals. And then when he would kill people, he would drink some of their blood as well. And he was just a deranged individual. Oh yeah, like deranged. You can put out a lot of people throughout history that have had been deranged individuals with a blood drinking obsession or a blood bathing obsession. Like for example, I I don't personally believe that Elizabeth Bathory is associated with vampir or vampirism, but I do believe that she was very obsessed with bathing in blood. I think this is just a preoccupation she had. 
What is it? Uh, Vlad Dracul that uh, the modern day vampires inspired after? Well, he's a, he's a fascinating character altogether. Like, um, if you ever get a chance to read a detailed history of his life, he he has a very peculiar story. I once again, I I don't necessarily know anything in his story that makes me think the man had to be supernatural. I just think he's a man that would do anything, literally anything, to shake save his country, including I agree. killing a ton of his countrymen. <laughs> I agree um, I with that. I that uh, I, there, there seemed to have been some, um, some truth to the the vampire story in French Lick. I mean, more there's at least some truth that someone had requested the room. <laughs> I don't think yes. he's legitimately a vampire. Oh. Yeah, I, I see. That's that's wild to me. And I, I think even if, like you said, these types of things did exist at one point, we romanticize uh, many creatures, many beings that. To the point where they're not even what they would look like originally before. Oh no, no, early vampires, God, they are ugly as hell. Like like Strigoia are like these half rotting pseudo bestial, pseudo human remnants running around. And they're they're not gonna come up and look into your eye and try to seduce you. They're gonna come up to you and rip off your face. That's my biggest qualm with with, with uh modern day lore is that it's so romanticized. Like I know Everyone always talks about wanting a zombie apocalypse so they could just go haywire. Honestly, that would terrify me, and I would take myself out instantly because I couldn't deal with that. You know, and, you know, something that kind of, like, bothers me as a paranormal researcher, too, like, if you look at, like, how many paranormal entities uh, act, there's this, this need they seem to have with wanting attention, uh, you know, from a person and things like that. And as time progresses, you know, we as a culture, you know, you know, we we seem to need validation much more. Like we look at the modern phenomenon of social media, and every time you post anything, there's a number of likes. We just need to feel validated. So many times, like, you know, you see these encounters of people having these encounters with these paranormal entities, and people think they're special because they're having these things, and they get more attention to it, so they can continue to feel special. And it, it sometimes it feeds this toxic cycle. Uh, that seems to happen in the paranormal. It's almost like uh, you could call Kim Kardashian a modern-day vampire then. Oh, yeah. Now, you mentioned um, these shadow people could be interdimensional. Is there any other uh, thoughts, uh, their origin, or how they manifest? And and to add on that, uh, since they feed off the ener negative energy, could they just be a manifestation of your negative energy? And it's certainly possible. Yeah. The, the problem is when it comes to the question of exactly what they are, exactly where they're from, we're left mainly with speculation because there's just not a whole lot of detail of, like from the encounters that would lead to it because conversations with shadow people are exceedingly rare. Exceedingly rare. You know, so a lot of times it's just left to people to interpret their intentions from their own personal experience with the paranormal. And that's why you have all these explanations of them being demons, ghosts, omens of death, things like, okay. things like that. And, and the few times I have found encounters where there was communication, I've never heard of anything where I thought they were at all doing anything except for telling the person what they needed to hear to try to basically comply with what they wanted. They were honeypotting them. Yeah. yeah. Huh. That, Fellas, that I tell you what. Go ahead. 
No, go ahead. Go ahead. I, uh, I tell you what, I, I usually like to keep my podcast uh, to about an hour, and time has just flown by with you, gentlemen. <laughs> you got to get I wanna, back for a second. Episode, uh, I, yeah, I would love to have you back on in the future. Uh, before I say anything else, though, promo time, fellas. Where can the people find you? Absolutely. So if you guys like uh, what we say, you guys want to hear more about us, you guys can go over to YouTube. Uh, one Candles, uh, One Candle Society is the word One Candle Society. Uh, you can find us there. And all, all of our videos are, are all on there. Our whole podcast is up there as, as well, too. We upload it up there. Um, if you want to check out our podcast, uh, you guys can check us out on any platform where you guys get podcasts. We're on iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, all those all those fun places like that. That's where you guys can check out all of our content. A little bit of inside baseball here. How would you guys get on Stitcher? Because I'm on almost everywhere but there. Uh, I think from our host server, I think our host server has, has the ability for us to Go over to their site if I'm if I'm correct. If I remember, we had uploaded a lot of them. I can, I can, I can try I can try to send you something to show you help you out. That's no problem. Yeah, that'd be that'd be great. Well, um, I want to remind the people that uh, Breast Cancer Awareness Month is in, in October, and I've uh, designed a shirt and decided to donate 100% of the profits to the Breast Cancer Research Foundation. Um, okay. If you want to learn more about them, their uh, website is bcrf.org. Um, and my shirt, the link will be in the description here. It's at a uh, Teespring, and it's just a um, inquisitive mind shirt. It's pink. Uh, it's got their website on the back, uh, and it, you know, breast cancer is a very important uh, issue for me. My mother was diagnosed with stage four breast cancer when I was seventeen, um, and she fought like hell and made it through that. <clears throat> Excuse me, I get a little choked up. And uh, she was on a pill that would keep her breast cancer in remission. But a side effect of that pill was that it caused ovarian cancer. And she not only had a double mastectomy, she ended up getting a full hysterectomy. And uh, she's, she's good today. She's, she's alive and well today. Um, but there's many women out there that are still struggling. There's many people that are struggling because I don't want you to think um, that it's just a female issue. Men can get breast cancer too. Um, so this organization not only brings light, they're working for a cure. Uh, I believe they also donate wigs uh, to women who lose their hair, which is more important than people realize. I remember when my mother was losing her hair, we went to the barber shop, and she got her head shaved, and she was strong, and I was in the chair crying watching that happen. And uh, the only thing I could think to do was shave my head for my mother. Anyways, I'm getting off topic here. What I'm saying is, Go to their website, donate to them, or buy a shirt, whatever. It's a great organization. Breast cancer is still a huge issue in, in the world right now, and uh, it's really important to me. Outside of that, I also have a Halloween design up in the shirt, uh, an Inquisitive Minds podcast shirt. Uh, check it out there. Other than that, fellas, um, I'm going to say boom bop. You know, that's it for the episode today. Thank you guys so much for coming on. Check out One Candle Society. They are doing great things. Um, you can catch us anywhere you stream your your platforms, anywhere you stream your podcasts outside of Stitcher, uh, like I mentioned, or you can check us out at inquisitiveminds.com. That's I-N-Q-U-I-Z-A-T-I-V-E, minds.com, spelled a little bit differently. And stay curious, guys.